The Colour Pink Podcast. All about women. Chatting about all that women stuff. Hello and welcome to the Colour Pink Podcast with me, Abby Gibson, as always your host. The podcast all about women, chatting about all that women stuff. And I am so excited for our guest this week because as soon as I knew I was doing this podcast, I knew how to get this girl on it because... I adore oh, the her. Pressure. <laughs> oh, the pressure. I'm really building you up here. It's the wonderful Hannah Rowe. Hello. Thank you very much for having me on. I've been listening. I was telling you this before, yes. but I've been revising for my appearance because I realised I wasn't first on the list and that's fine, you know, whatever. But You're... I've been loving the series. I really have. And last week with Dan, I found very interesting. Well, I'm so happy to have you on. And can I say, in my defence, you're a busy woman. I try. You are really... So you graduated from university last year Uh and you have launched yourself into the world of work doing your stuff here, there and everywhere. Here, there and everywhere is really the best way to describe it. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) In any one place, I don't look very busy. But if you you sew it all up, collectively, I'm sure I look quite busy. (laughs) And um, this week, we are talking about sexism in the workplace. Mm. Um, and this is going to range from those part-time retail jobs you had to working your way up into like real jobs, if you will. I'm still trying to get there, but yes, <laughs> no, I know what you mean. We're working hard as, you know, graduate, soon to be graduate for me. Yeah, it's that meme though, isn't it? In your 20s and you're just holding a sign that says, hire me. <laughs> hire me, I'm dishevelled on the motorway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're going to be talking about sexism in the workplace because um, I think this is a really... Everyday sexism is an issue, but when it's in where you work, where you spend 40 hours of your week, it can get tiresome. I think I think worryingly, even when you're not in a full-time role, mm. it can be, if anything, a bit more harrowing because you're dealing with situations where you don't necessarily know the people very well. I mean, for example, I'm sure anybody who's ever worked in a pub before, um, the very fact that more often than not the people coming into a pub, particularly regulars, not to, not to want to... I suppose generically brand everyone with that brush but a lot of people who come in quite regularly can sometimes get overly familiar I mean that's just talking yeah. as you said about those part-time roles and potentially in retail as yeah. well it starts off as as that level and I think you always assume when you go on to get a real job or a full-time job that will change because people almost have the the humility I suppose to recognize that they're going to see you more often they're yeah. therefore going to want to you know check their behavior a little bit it is surprising that actually I personally feel sometimes that's not how you see the world going. No, I agree. And I think that's a really good way to sort of sum up what we're going to be talking about in the next (laughs) 30 minutes. Um, So I thought we'd kick it off. um, We were talking about the gender pay gap. Yes. Yeah. It's fascinating that people don't believe that exists. I know. So we touched on it last week with Dan um, about how, yeah, people don't think it exists and that it's a myth. And I obviously schooled him and came came in with cold hard facts. Yeah, he was a staunch unbeliever. (laughs) Then you turned him right round. I, um, yeah, I, oh, what's the word? (sighs) Beat him? No, what's the word when you like? um, Convert... I converted him. Yeah, delete, beat him and go straight to converted him. It sounds much better. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're touching again of that. The pay gap is a myth. And that is something that's argued throughout, isn't it? And But how can you prove it's a myth without the evidence? Yeah, and, and I think what's happened recently with the government demanding that we actually have statistical evidence yeah. to show whether it exists or not has been a huge leap forward. But I think the problem is, as you as you touched upon last week, um, the fact that you have such clear evidence for something like pay, which is clear, you know, you have checks and balances at the end of the day for something like that. Mm. When it comes to sexism, particularly casual sexism, something that not necessarily could be legislated against, it's not something that people are 
recognizing in day-to-day life in the same way it's much more an inherent part of the way we behave towards one another and the way we make people people feel basically yeah. i think that's much more difficult and that's much more challenging to provide evidence to say it exists because you're essentially saying this is how a situation made me feel and i don't think that's right yeah and unfortunately to a large degree that is subjective you're always going to have people who go well that's how you feel that's your opinion i think the gender pay gap discussion is a huge example of that of mm. maybe you've come forward in your workplace and be like actually i don't think i'm being paid equally due to my gender or like just happens to be that the men are getting paid more i have so much respect for the women that have come forward with Mm. this as well because personally if i were if i were in a position particularly in the media industry as a lot of these women have been where we know how competitive it is to get into those roles and how difficult it can be to compete with not just men but anybody else who's hugely ambition towards what they want to be doing to kind of consider that they then went forward and to such a risk i suppose when this isn't right, this isn't what I want. Whereas a lot of people, I think, I know personally, I would have struggled with that. I would have seen it as, well, I'm here now. Do I really want to start, you know, causing friction, I suppose, in a situation where I know I already feel a little bit like it's been a a struggle to get there? Yeah, I'm the same. I feel like even though, so I haven't, made that step into sort of the professional world as it were oh, i don't know this um, podcast is a good start good oh start. thanks anna um but um at the student radio conference which was last week um uh there was a talk about a woman's place in the studio and it was basically it was three women who are doing pretty well in the radio and the audio world and one thing that um one of them said was about how they feel like women are stepping up more to be like hey i deserve a rise and hey i deserve this pay and they're getting it whereas in the past it was usually men who was only doing that and the woman would be like oh that's how much money you're giving me thank you um but to be honest i feel like if i was in that position i would i wouldn't feel like i could just ask for money but is that just because i'm british and awkward i mean it could be i already struggle with a lot of um job applications Mm. where they want within the cover letter you have to state your salary expectations and it merely says competitive on the job ad Mm. i already find that extremely uncomfortable i can't imagine being in a role um and then you know finding out about somebody else's because i think i would always have that and maybe maybe that's being part of woman maybe that's being british maybe that's a number of different things about me personally but i know i would always struggle to for example if i saw your paycheck directly compare because i would always have that natural assumption well you must be doing something more to earn that and i think i'd struggle to go no we're doing the same thing that's just unjust and and maybe that's part of the problem to be fair um but i think when it comes to sexism in the workplace it is it's a lot tougher, as we said, to actually yeah. figure out where you're going to put the boundaries for that because one person may find something friendly, another may find it overly friendly. Exactly. And I think that's always going to be an issue. Yeah. I mean, what I suppose intriguingly, because I realise your retail experience, I think, was more comprehensive than mine in mm. that I was in pubs, um, admittedly not for very long, and then I was a cleaner, which meant that I was essentially not really interacting with a lot of people other than those whom I worked with, which admittedly were mostly women. Um, but w- yeah, what were your examples in, in retail, would you say? Of- um, so I worked in a shop in an airport for a good like three years on and off with going to university. And my sort of experience was, so be- working in an airport, it's a big staff. And we had about like four or five supervisors, like maybe even on shift at one time. And I just remember the main thing that sticks out to me, there was this one supervisor, we'll call him Mr. Blue. And he was a very unpleasant person. He was rude. He was condescending. I had a time where, so working at the airport, you had to have a pass 
um, to actually work there, you know, to go um, airside where Departures was. Yeah. And when I was relatively new, I accidentally forgot my pass um, to work with me. But in the past, when people had forgotten their pass, they'd be like, right, you just work in the arrival shop for your shift. So I get there and I, I'm like, oh, I forgot my pass, but I'm assuming it's not going to be a huge deal. And then Mr. Blue comes downstairs and has a go at me in front of customers and then I'm I literally start crying like and I was like I was about I don't know 19 I was quite young I was like not really where I wanted to be in my life right then and I didn't need Mr Blue yelling at me in front of customers what was really nice about that though is that there was another woman who came over and like comforted me and she was really really lovely um eventually um my dad drove to the airport and gave me my pass which made me feel terrible because I had to call him and he had to drive all that way so I ended up going airside encountering Mr Blue again and again has a go at me in front of customers even though I've got my pass so I've sorted out what you've had a go at me so in he, in night he was now saying this shouldn't have happened at all from then on this is when I started quite early so I was like right that's my impression of you because clearly you're a very unpleasant person and you know when you're at work you share these stories with your colleagues don't you especially when you're new and you know you're getting to know the other sales assistants and a lot of the people I spoke to were agreeing with me, like oh yeah I've had a similar experience he's made me cry and then I remember speaking to another person about it and he and this person goes oh I've never had a problem with him and I was like okay I've seen a pattern here all the girls I've spoken to seem to have a similar experience to me and all the lads I've spoken to are like oh he seems fine with me and then I clicked and I was like, oh my God, he hates girls. He hates girls. And that was literally like, it It kind of made me feel better of that. Okay, it's not me. It's my entire gender. It's weird that, isn't it? It can make you feel better because yeah. instantly you go, it's not just me. Because mm. I think it, what people forget is with sexism, what that means is it's gone from bullying to group bullying, yeah. which somehow is slightly better because you're not alone. At least I'm in it with other people. But yeah, but a lot of people wouldn't consider sexism as bullying in that way. Mm. They just think it's, oh, you're overly sensitive, aren't you? That's all it uh, is. When yeah. it is in fact bullying, yeah. And I think it, it's once again what we were saying before, it's that person that you see that and you don't naturally jump to the assumption that they're sexist yeah. until you gradually realise actually that there is no other word. You mm. know, People might justify that as he was seeing all the young ladies as in in his mind they were forgetful or they were less considerate than the males but those features alone by grouping them together and treating each case as if it's part of a whole rather than an individual case is sexist within itself and I think that's the problem it's it's almost like like you did last week it's you have to outline exactly what sexism is to be able to then find evidence of it and go here's why a b and c are in fact sexist you know you can't that's interesting though. Yeah. That is interesting to hear. Because even when I was like further up and I'd been there for a couple of years, so that was when I was relatively new and you know, it was it was overwhelming starting a new job like that. Um, I moved up and I ended up working in the cash office. So, you know, I was pretty well respected there and I was given a lot of responsibility. Remember one of the self-service machines had broken down and I was looking at it, I was trying to fix it and he, he comes over to me. He's not my supervisor at this point because I... I am working under a new supervisor. Are you on a par with him now then or is he still technically senior just not within your department? He's still senior but he's not my supervisor. Uh, It's not his jurisdiction. He comes over and he goes, "Um, have you called so and so? And I was like, no I haven't. He's like, why not? And I was like, well I'm doing what my supervisor said. He was like, well you really need to be doing that. And I was like, oh my god, literally leave me alone. And it's one of them where I was even at a point where I was training people in that job and um with the girls sometimes I would have an aside like especially when they were new and they're like oh I'm not really fond of this guy and I was like don't worry don't take it personally this is just who he is and it's really sad that I have to get to that point because 
it's quite disgusting really yeah because i can't i can't imagine ever being in a workplace where i would ever accept that my behavior towards somebody mm. would warrant uh almost a warning beforehand yeah. that that surely is just disciplinary action yeah. then that's i mean fortunately for me like i never had any issues like with customers being sexist but as you said you working in a pub so i feel like you were saying about locals becoming a bit familiar but i think this is the problem a lot of the time you wouldn't brand it as sexist because unfortunately the stigma of that you almost think that they're instantly going to be some disgusting human who yeah. thought of you as subhuman in some way and it wasn't always that more often than not it merely was because they were trying to be friendly mm. it, it, i think it does have a lot to do with being new i think you're right there it's it's clearly when you're in uncharted territory and they recognize that and as a way of reaching out sometimes it can be friendly sometimes it can be unpleasant but it's a way of showing hey i've been here for a while and you haven't and sometimes that can be towards malicious ends as I think it was in your case sometimes that can just be you know I'm trying to throw you a bit of a rope here and look after you but unfortunately it's that patronising level and it almost sounds as if and this I, I, show, I suppose it shows the level of conditioning makes you sound ungrateful to then go please don't call me love please don't call me honey mm. um, don't smack your glass on the bar when you want another drink kind of thing that's rude um, but then you almost feel grateful because they remembered your name. So you end up forgiving things, which I know sounds silly, but, you know, they'll they'll shove past you or they'll be like, oi, I need a top-up, please. Mm. But then it'd be like, oh, thanks, Hannah, at the end of that. And you'll end up being, oh, well, I guess it's not that bad because, <laughs> yeah, they were rude to me, but yeah. then they did remember my name. And you end up almost, it's tit for tat in a ridiculous fashion that you end up condoning it merely because it's so much harder to call it out and yeah at a similar time I was about 18 19 when I was working in pub there's no way on earth that I was going to turn around to somebody particularly grown men who I felt were treating me in a way that was far different from the male counterparts I had around me there's no way I was going to turn around and then be like hey whoa watch what you're saying there thank you that just wasn't going to happen and I think part of the problem was they knew that they knew it was never going to happen yeah um, and I have to say I can't say that happened too many times That's it wasn't good. it wasn't as if it, you know it was it was a lovely village pub it was relatively nice it was just a few times it did i felt unfortunately i was very much in a position where i just had to accept it yeah and that was just that i think it, with situations like that i think it does become the frustrating thing when you're looking at yeah your male counterparts and being like why aren't you talking to them like that mm. just like just out of interest um but yeah, another thing that um, I found with the retail job, and I think people must find this more difficult when they work into, say, of sort of like an office space when you don't have a uniform, is what to wear for work. Because guys have it so easy that they, oh, just, wear they, a, yeah. they just wear a suit. They just wear a shirt and pants. And you know what? I'm even going to be really technical here and go even down to the hair. I have always, yeah. um, I have always joked to a certain degree that a mutual friend of ours always had a very easy time because I always thought his hair looked immaculate and he managed to style it very well but I recognised it was relatively easy and I I, I realised I was slightly envious to a certain degree because I was almost going I wish there was a a look that I could just do and know that in five minutes my hair was suitable for any setting do you know what I mean whereas I've been in and and it's all subjective as well I found with women people are so much more welcome to have their opinions about how you look which I know we know but just to reinstate that with your hair and your clothes Mm -hmm. nobody would ever turn around at the end of the day a bloke could be wearing let's face it um and I have seen this happen where I've been to interviews where um, young men have been dressed very nicely. It's clearly, you know, a suit that they freshly bought. And I would have to say a tie that doesn't necessarily go with the shirt. Mm. But that would be accepted. But more often than not, I've seen women that have been described as messy by people who've, you know, seen them and then made comments yeah. merely because their hair was tied up. Or perhaps it wasn't tied up. Or maybe it was tied up in the wrong way. Yeah. Or their clothes, um, it, 
that blouse seemed a bit ooh, a bit cheeky a bit naughty exactly but, and you were like actually do you know what it was a it was you know the heels were too high and you realize there's so many degrees for issue whereas i i do feel with a lot of the time the way that men are allowed to dress particularly in a professional setting there there's such a, a remit that you're allowed to be in and it's still professional yeah. and yet for women it feels like it's a much more complicated graph of where's appropriate and what you yeah. can be doing and and yeah you never get given a rule book for that and i don't know how you're supposed to know at the exactly. end of the day say so this this job that i was at um at the airport um, we were provided a shirt and then we had to provide our own bottoms basically and you could either wear black pants or a black skirt and I, I can't tell you how many times um, a, a young girl's turned up and her skirt's above her knee it's a little bit short and do you know what I don't think it's my place to comment on that because to be honest if they're comfortable and they're ready to work I don't really care what they look like whereas my supervisor and I remember this one quite clearly is that i had a girl that i was training i was bringing her in for induction and um my supervisor stopped her and went next time you come in you need to wear a longer skirt and because sort of justifying it she, she goes on to say um because if boys start making comments and men start looking at you like i'm just trying to protect you oh yeah and it's one of them words like why is she having to wear a longer skirt because men are pervy and I'm not saying like, and to be honest, I've never seen that happen in that it's the airport. People are barely awake. Like, how is that affecting her ready to work? And to be honest, I felt bad for her because that just embarrassed her. Mm. Like, it's her first, it's not even her first day at work. And she's been called out for wearing a short skirt because it might distract someone. How desperately uncomfortable, yeah. Yeah. No, I've, I mean, I've seen that before as well, where I think sometimes in a weird way, it's worse if you get part of a uniform because you then have to complete it and you mm. have to know what's appropriate um and i i remember there's been so many roles where i've had similar things where you get given it a shirt or something it's like well obviously women will then wear a skirt and men will wear trousers well i don't know how you feel about this but i know particularly when i'm working i'm in trousers i've yeah. got a job to do i've got things to get on with i wear a skirt if, if that's what i feel like wearing and that's what i want to wear but more often than not, particularly when it's a job, if I'm going to be walking around a lot, I'm going to be carrying something, I wouldn't think a skirt's ever appropriate. No. But I have seen jobs advertised where that's that's the consideration and people that feel that they have a pressure on them because they go, oh, but it's that's the guy's outfit if I'm wearing... Tra- and, I, you know, it, it sounds ridiculously 1940s, but I've mm. genuinely had those conversations which, you know, what are you going to wear? Well, obviously a dress or a skirt. Obviously. Obviously. You know, because that's what everybody expects me to wear. So yeah. obviously that's what this I've got to wear. This is why I love that like trousers are coming back for women mm. and you can buy some really nice trousers. Yeah, there was a really weird period, wasn't there? Whenever you went shopping online, where trousers were either ridiculously flared, yeah. and I mean like 70s on steroids, or it went the other way, yeah, and they yeah. were so skinny that unless you had twigs for legs, you probably shouldn't wear them. Literally. Which I thought was strange, because it, it's not necessarily about what size you are as an individual, but more if you wanted any kind of different style, it, those were your two that yeah. was it and yeah i noticed that came out for no, a while but now there seems to be more interesting the options. trousers are coming back people i still want to get a good pantsuit which i know makes me sound yes. really american but no. that's really what i want to i do. would love a good like you know female power suit oh yeah but i would wear it to pretty much everything i did this is the thing i wouldn't be appropriate with it once i get an outfit <laughs> like that i know i'd literally be walking in for coffee and i'm like this is the only thing i'm doing today but i'm, I'm wearing my pantsuit you turn up in, like in your job interview in the pantsuit and then you turn up to the first day of the job also in yeah. the pantsuit like yep this is who you've hired as soon as you pay me i will buy another one <laughs> and we will have two <laughs> i'll have two options of pantsuit yeah oh, no but i think it's a really good point though i have to say because a lot of what i do at the moment is in uh media media mm. darling um I, 
that has been one of the greatest challenge particularly when you're going in to volunteer for things and it's like on a work experience basis and it's not necessarily paid knowing what to wear because it is a very casual industry on the whole i think it's fair to say with what people wear and particularly people who've already made it there's a lot of freelancers as well and once again not to generically brand everyone with the same brush but on the whole i think you do find people are quite laid back with what with what they wear because it's quite an open environment people talk quite freely about issues and challenges and problems and i like that i think that's what i like about the industry does mean it's a bit of a challenge though when it comes to knowing what to wear how to dress to impress because i think you you run a thin line where you end up feeling uncomfortable that you've gone overly formal particularly as a woman I feel that can happen really easily because a shirt for a a guy, I've particularly noticed this with my boyfriend, can look both casual and smart, very much dependent on just how you how you wear it, what you wear it with. But I've often found if I if I were to go and wear, for example, I went to something recently where a male friend of mine had got experience there beforehand, a couple of months previously, and we were discussing what to wear, and he went a shirt, jeans, and smart shoes. I was like, okay, how does that translate for me then? How do I... What is the female equivalent? Yeah, and he hadn't meant it in a rude way. He'd simply yeah. meant, this is what I wore, this is what I'd recommend. And I was absolutely perplexed because I was like, okay, do I do... If I do a blouse, and that's going to look really formal. So if I did jeans and, like, Converse, would that maybe, like, balance it out? No, the Converse are probably going to look... So then I'll wear boots. Oh, then I might feel a bit tall and imposing if everyone else is wearing trainers. And you end up... It's that cycle where you end up going, yeah. so maybe I'll wear... Maybe I'll wear a t-shirt, but then I'll wear, like, a nice skirt. And ridiculous things that you end up thinking. And you end up in some bizarre outfit, inevitably, <laughs> because you've overthought every element of it. You end up going it. in a scuba diving suit. And <laughs> yeah, with Converse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't... I, you yeah. know, it's so funny that you just said that, because what is the equivalent of a shirt, jeans, and smart shoes? Yeah. If it helps, he then went, black jeans, obviously. <laughs> Oh, thank you. That, that solves it. I'll wear, I'll I was going to wear my purple ones. Clearly, that's where I've been going wrong. I'll come in black jeans and nothing else. <laughs> You'll get the job, Abby. You'll get the job. No, but it's a difficult one. It really is hard. Yeah. It's hard. And I think a lot of the time as well, I know personally, the environment I've been in, in the media industry, is is a very fun one, but it's a very tense one still. You're still, yeah. you're trying to make it. You're trying to get in. You're trying to impress everybody you meet. And I think particularly, I suppose, bringing it back to the whole sexist thing, mm. that that makes it exceptionally difficult because how and i suppose it's my question now if if anything from this podcast continues from this particular episode how do you call it out when you're starting out in the industry how do you weigh up you know if i reference this and i'm wrong or people consider me to be wrong or they just don't want to talk about it does that kill my career or do i travel on with the respect of knowing that i I address these things properly and also if i ignore it does that mean it's just going to continue for the rest of my working career does this set a precedent now for how i will be treated and perceived by others and i suppose if anybody has advice for that for what they no, but for what they've been through because i honestly think until you've you've been through it for long enough you don't know how to respond you haven't got like any status have you if you're like in like the work experience internship entry-level stuff you're just trying to like stay in, aren't you? Especially in media, because it's such a competitive industry mm. that if you're a bit naff, there's someone lined up like right behind you. They but can be. You could be absolutely perfect. I found more often than not, and there could be someone who is just the same. Yeah. And that's. A, it sounds a little depressing, and I don't mean that to say you know everybody has their own unique talents, and that's ultimately what gets them noticed in the mm. end. But if you're still at a stage where those talents haven't yet been discovered, they haven't yet been noticed. Yes, it is very difficult, I think, to to decide what's the right thing to do. I know personally in one of my previous roles, one of the the greatest difficulties I had was trying to evaluate whether something I'd overheard was correct. And I think I think sexism 
isn't always direct. I think that's really important yeah. to hear. It is a general attitude, not necessarily towards women, it can be towards men. It's a general attitude towards people or a group of people that that make you feel uncomfortable when you realise you identify with that group. That's kind of how I'd say it in the workplace. Yes. Yeah. So I was going to ask, obviously, dwelling on like, you know, things that at what point do you say something have you experienced something where you've had to because of the position you're in like bite your tongue I've definitely bitten my tongue I don't know whether I had to and I think I still okay I'm still at a point where I'm I'm uncertain if I went through this situation or overheard things that I've overheard in the past whether I would behave the same way okay I'd like to think I'm a better version of of what I did but I suppose you don't know how you're going to behave until you're you're in that situation i mean there was one in particular where i suppose going to what i'd said about how you how you talk about a group of people Mm. as well where i was i was in an office environment and i'd overheard because there weren't many people in on the particular day i'd been there and i'd overheard somebody talking about somebody else and admittedly this person wasn't in the room i don't even know if they were in the building i didn't know who they were i didn't know who the person talking was um, none of my business merely it was a quiet environment and I could overhear yeah. the curse words that were used when talking about them I assumed initially and it was it was in this instance it was a man talking about a woman but I for my mind it it perhaps the language that we used it wouldn't have mattered what gender either party were yeah because the language that was used was so clearly derogatory towards that person it was but it but it started off initially you know, if you were to hear somebody, if I were talking about you, and mm. I'm using a couple of swear words, but everybody knows we're close and it's a joke. Yeah. When you're overhearing it initially, you assume they know each other. Yeah. You assume they are friends. You assume it's an in-joke that you're simply not a part of. And then it continues and you hear the laughter. And I do think there's an edge to laughter when people know they probably shouldn't be laughing about it, but they're laughing anyway. Yeah. And there was an edge to everything that I heard that it just ended up being, I don't know, it just it just ended up being deeply unpleasant and and in similar environments where I've had people come in and you know simple comments like you're, you're desperately trying to meet somebody new in environment in a, you know a room of people that you're trying to impress and a simple line such as you know oh it's really lovely to meet you and they go yeah it is lovely for you to meet me <laughs> and I'm sure that's a joke but when they then ignore you for yeah. the rest of the time they're there you you do end up being left a little curious and and i have to say a lot of the time i will say great credit to um all the jobs i've been in i i've never once walked into a room and been like oh i'm the only woman or felt that way sometimes i have been but i've never felt that way but there have been a couple of instances particularly when i've been in a place for a while and you'll hear comments like that and it just slowly creeps up on you this unsettling feeling where you're glancing around and going and i think it's almost perhaps it shows my age but it's almost i'm looking to other women for you know who are slightly older than me Mm. perhaps in a more senior position to see how they're reacting to see what the appropriate way to handle this is professionally and then when you realize there's nobody there to look to you start looking to the men and and if they are laughing or if there just aren't any senior figures there you you, or or they're the ones that are involved in it I, i definitely yeah I think that's one of the situations where you end up just being a bit lost. And I think that's the problem with sexism in the workplace. We don't talk about it often enough, openly enough, for people to know when to act, how to react, and what's appropriate. And it doesn't get called out enough, does it? Because, like, I don't think I've... um, I've called out people on their opinions. If they start spouting opinions that are like that are sexist Mm. i will call them out on it and i will play i will play the other side and be like have you thought about this but 
say with you know my supervisor or if I've any ever experienced anything like that especially when I feel just awkward about it even when I've been in um my job when I was a bit higher up and I was in the office I remember one time you know I I was in a summer job I didn't want to be there it was literally between uni and um one of my deputy managers goes oh you're you're in a great mood aren't you like really sarcastically and I'm like well I'm I'm at work and he's like oh it's just women that isn't it you're never in a good mood and I I fully called him out on it and I was like do you not think that's a bit sexist because I felt like I was on good terms with him. Like, I got on with him well. I was like, do you not think that's a bit sexist that you're saying that? And he was like, no. <laughs> yeah. So what's the point? It's it's the irony, isn't it? I mean, for example, I suppose that the, the instance where I've been told it was a pleasure to meet that person. Yeah. I'm sure somebody had then gone on to say he was a bit of a womaniser. And it was, it was things to those effects where you end up, you're almost taken aback and you're like, I assume that's a joke. It's not but a very assume, funny joke. Yeah, I assume you're not you're not actually saying that in the workplace, when we're all in our professional capacity, I should, in inverted commas, watch out, joke or no joke, because of somebody's behaviour towards the opposite sex. Because mm. if that's what we're dissecting, and I, I almost hate myself for saying it like that, because I realise I'm over dissecting what they've said. You know, I'm sure it was just a, a play for oh, watch out, bit of a womanizer there, but, but it it stayed very, with you yeah the very fact it was said and, the, and and it was one of those moments again where I hadn't noticed that I was the only woman there mm. at all until suddenly you start it's that awkward you start to glance around and go oh oh I am yeah right okay it wasn't obvious before suddenly feels it now suddenly feels very poignant though. yeah and yeah and but yeah once again people who would previously would have happily spoken I think about issues of sexism and consider themselves to be feminists to a large degree and just not recognise that what they were doing was making yeah. people feel a certain way. Um, so before we started recording, you were telling me about um, an article that you'd read because um, when you were revising, because we love guests who prepare for Let's the show, get a bit of revision in, yeah. that you saw an article from uh, Jessica Eaton. It was a blog actually, but oh, yes, um, uh, she is a PhD uh, researcher, I believe, um, specialising in the psychology of victim blaming. I'm just going to double check when I say this that I am actually saying the right thing here. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a blog she'd written, and the reason I found it particularly interesting was she founded a um, a group which essentially I think it was called the Eaton Foundation um, after her and her husband. Um, and I believe it was thanks to her father-in-law, and I don't know the full story, I can't remember the beginning of the blog, but it did explain quite comprehensively that because of his personal issues, he'd struggle and he'd unfortunately had quite an early death. And they had subsequently set up a foundation that was looking at men's issues, men's health, and assisting some men who either needed extra classes, who needed support. And she was talking about the fact that this foundation had grown exponentially from a couple of a couple of dozen of people, I think, to then suddenly being a couple of hundred people and how that was fantastic. And she'd done a lot of research into how to help them and, and what their particular cases of trauma might have been. But what she found particularly interesting was she wouldn't have said she therefore had a bias of favouring women over men. If anything, it, it clearly looked the other way. Yeah. And yet she managed to write papers for her research on women and victim blaming in women and looking at how women are treated within society and whether that was the, the main focus of the papers or whether that was a byproduct of them. There were clear questions being raised in this research and the amount of time she comments that she got a phenomenon that she calls whataboutism. Mm which essentially was where people would comment or give feedback to her research, which was even more interesting, I think, where they went, what about men? Have you thought about men? Have you thought about how actually you're just talking about women? What about all the men that go through this? 
And the reason she said this was interesting was on the surface, yes, that feels like a valid point. The reason it's not, though, and she, she goes into much better and more eloquent detail than I'm sure I will in her blog, which I'd recommend checking out. Um, but the reason she said it was important was because ultimately she'd never seen on all these articles and things and, and work that she did for men's health and for men's rights, I suppose, to a large degree, she'd never seen women suddenly piping up on there and going, what about women? Have you ever thought about all the women that go through this? She simply hadn't seen any instances of that. And yet when it was turned on its head, it was women and men who were turning around and going, but what about men? Clearly you're sexist. She discusses it very thoroughly, but she essentially comes to the conclusion of it's that there's this inherent, through society, I suppose, this inherent belief of men that they have a right to to be understood and to be recognised in all these issues. Whereas with women, it seems to be actually they recognise sometimes it's not about them. It's not for them. It doesn't concern them. And that's okay. Whereas with men, it seemed to be from what she was seeing more often than not, if it didn't concern them, if it wasn't about them, if it wasn't about their well-being, then there was something wrong there. There was some level of equality that, that hadn't been met. And I just thought that was so interesting. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a core issue to why we don't discuss sexism in the workplace. Because as soon as you start to, as soon as you start to unveil issues, unlike any other scenario you will see, you get whataboutism, where it's instantly turned on its head and reflected. And you go, okay, valid point, except that that's not the issue we're seeing here. That's why we're not discussing yeah. it. And I think that was the thing. You know, it's all, I suppose, well and good saying, what about men? And it goes, okay, but perhaps that's a separate time we need to discuss this issue. It shouldn't belittle the original issue that we're looking at here. I can't remember exactly what it was she'd said in the blog that had been the root of it, but it was fascinating because, yes, it was something that could be applied to men and it could be discussed about men, but it was so evident in everything she said about the study that it was specifically about women um, because the causes and the issues and the effects for men were probably vastly different and thus a different study would be required. It wasn't something where she'd merely, you know, done all the research for the male part and then gone, oh... That looks boring and cut it all out. <laughs> it, it was just different and it yeah. needed to be reviewed differently. Um, and yeah, and I think that answers a lot of why we don't yeah. bring it up more often. Send me the link, Hannah, and we'll share it on Twitter. So you can find that at, um, at Colour Pink Pod. By the time this will be um, posted, you can have a read of that. Um, because I, ju- I honestly, I just think that's fascinating because like you said you don't get it in any other scenario no it's like i would be careful with the blog as well because she she's quite honest with some of the responses she gets to her research Mm. and there are quite a few swearies in there we will say um curse words but it's it's yeah it's shocking what how people respond and how angry they get yeah definitely but worth a read hannah thank you so much for joining us on the color pink podcast thank you for having me where can we follow you on social media uh you can follow me at hannah rowey on twitters and that's probably the only thing i update these days so yeah, yeah check me out there <laughs> check hannah out on twitter it's hannah Rowe, but with a y at the end yeah and remember you can follow us on twitter at color pink pod don't forget to subscribe to us on itunes and rate us five stars and let us know what you think because i'm so happy with how people have been loving the podcast and it makes my heart smile um but yeah right. thank you again hannah and thank you for listening and um, we really hope you enjoy it and have a wonderful day and goodbye yeah happy wednesday to close it off. It's not Wednesday.